But they are available on the website, and you go on the Senior Adult page, and you look under Media, and we've got probably about half of the messages from Hebrews. Uh, too often, because we are seniors, someone will start, and the other one will go, just like she did, and she went back and just started recording. <clears throat> So all of them are not recorded, but the ones that are, hopefully you'll be blessed in being able to hear them again. So Hebrews chapter 11, verses 7 through 22, and I'm just going to take it piece by piece in a couple verses at a time. Let's start out, uh, Janet ended with verse 6, and I want to start with verse 6. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. And he obeyed God, who warned him about things that had never happened before. And by his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world, and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. Let's pray again. Lord, I pray that you'd give us ears to hear what God, Holy Spirit, wants to say to us this morning. Thank you, you're such a good God. You're such a great God, such a glorious King, Redeemer, Ruler. Lord, we love you this morning, and we pray that your love would shine brightly into our hearts, that we could see how much you love us in having this 11th chapter of Hebrews written. So Lord, as I blow the shofar, I pray you'd really tune in our ability to recognize the voice of God, even through human vessels. So give us ears to hear this morning so that we might hear and believe and receive everything that you have for us. Lord, we're just grateful to be alive and to be able to be in an atmosphere of freedom this morning here in Waco, Texas, that we can hear your word to the glory of your name. Amen. I like this phrase, he rewards those who diligently seek him. Now, the the Greek text that's used here does not use the word for diligence. But instead, there is a suggested fervency that is contained in the verb that is used, seek. Seek. And the implication is simply this, to fervently go after or pursue. To fully search out in a very careful strategy and plan. 
God always, always, always rewards our passionate pursuit of and seeking after him. Always. And then the writer mentions Noah. Now, let me ask you a question. How long did it take for Noah to build the ark? How long? How long? A century. A hundred years. How did you know that? The Bible tells us so. That's a good answer. Genesis 5.32 tells us that Noah was 500 years old when he started having children. Now that's a long way to wait before he started having kids. 500 years. And then we read in Genesis 7.6 that Noah was 600 years old when the flood came. So yes, it was about 100 years. Now, I want you to turn to Genesis 2, verse 6 for a moment. Genesis 2, verse 6. It says, A mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. Friends, this was God's global irrigation system from the beginning. And all throughout the life of Noah. Water only came from the ground, not from heaven. And throughout the hundred years of Noah's ark building project, people only knew that water came up from the earth. And imagine the shock that must have come upon everyone when it started to rain. They had never seen rain. And this was one of the things, this is a neat connection that I saw this week, one of the things that God told Noah in verse 7 that had never happened before. It had never rained. But because of Noah's faith and obedience, he was very different from his neighbors. And obeying God will always make us different from those around us. God commanded him to build a large boat in the middle of dry land. And although God's command seemed foolish, I love this guy Noah. He obeyed. Because when you obey God, don't be surprised if others regard you as, quote, different. But catch this. Your obedience makes their disobedience stand out. Our obedience will make their disobedience stand out. So if God asks you to do something new and different, listen, remember Noah. God will also give you the necessary strength to carry out the task that he puts in front of you. Verse 8, by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. And by faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. 
Verse 10, for he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker or architect is God. Now let me ask you another question. Was Abram, whose name was changed to Abraham, was he the first Jew? Here we go, Syrian. And there are Syrian Jews. All right. Yeah, he came from that particular area. But was he the first Jew? I mean, he's the father of faith. Was he the first Jew? How many say yes? How many say no? How many don't say anything? Most of the hands, yeah. Well, you know, reading from the Bible, especially from Genesis, we see that Abram or Abraham was willing to move his family to a place that they had never been before. But the Bible does not refer to Abraham as an Israelite or as a Jew. Instead, in Genesis 14, verse 13, the Bible calls him Avram or Abram, the Hebrew. Now the word for Hebrew is Ivri. Everyone say Ivri. Ivri. Get roll that R. Ivri. Ivri. And the, the word for the Hebrew language is that you add a T at the end. It's Ivrit. Ivrit. Everyone say Ivrit. Ivrit. That's a language you're going to be speaking in heaven. If it was the tongue of the prophets... It may be well used in heaven. Ivrit. But the root meaning of Ivrit and Ivri means to cross over. That's what it means. Now, why does the Bible give Abraham such an odd reference name? Well, he began his journey of obedience to God's word by crossing over the Euphrates River, which was huge to start his life in the unknown land of promise. Yes, he was a Syrian from background in that particular area, whether or not they called them Syrian in his particular day, who knows. But on a deeper level, Abraham crossed over from worshiping idols to serve the one true God. That's his biggest crossover. Now, at Genesis 12, verse 1, if you can just turn there. You were in Genesis 2, now Genesis 12. We get the Lord talking to Abram. And he says, The Lord said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. So at God's command, what did he do? He left home, he left his father's family, and he went to another land. This week, this really caught my, caught my attention. What really amazes me about this man, Abraham, is that he did not question God by asking, well, why? When? What for? Or how come? He did not question God. 
But his faith silenced his questioning heart. And let me ask you this morning, do you question God when he tells you to do something? Especially if it's a way in which you've never gone before. Genesis 15, 6 says, And Abraham believed the Lord. He believed in the Lord, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. In obedience to God, Abraham was even willing to sacrifice his son, Isaac, as we read in that incredible story, <clears throat> the account of that in Genesis 22, the first 19 verses. So let me say this morning, don't be surprised if God asks you to give up something dear and precious to you, something secure and comfortable, or even familiar surroundings, in order for him to carry out his perfect will for your life. He may have you follow in the same footsteps of Father Abraham, and tell you to cross over to a place that you've never been before. Verse 11. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child. Though she was barren and was too old. She believed that God would keep his promise. What's beautiful is that Sarah followed in the footsteps of her husband. And as Abraham's wife, she was unable to have children for many years. But God promised Abraham a son. <laughs> but Sarah doubted that she would ever become pregnant in her old age. And what did she do at first? <laughs> she laughed. She laughed. That was a huge joke when the word of the Lord came to her about a son. But afterward, she believed. Genesis 18. Verse 13, all these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive all what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. And they confessed that they were foreigners and pilgrims here on earth. This term that we are foreigners and pilgrims on earth may be an awareness that is forced on us by circumstances. But this is the mindset that God wants each of us to have. We're only foreigners here. Even though you were born here, you're a foreigner. We're pilgrims. We're strangers. I like what Peter says. Peter writes this, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, he uses the same terminology. Abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles. That when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. 1 Peter 2, 11 and 12. I need to remind you again today, you and I, do not belong here. Now God has placed us here in Waco, Texas and in Highland and in this room for such a time as this. But we really don't belong here. We need to have a foreigner, stranger, 
pilgrim mentality. And that's hard to do. We shared at our table, I, I guess we had a, a little extra uh, push into this area of having lived overseas for 30 years. You know you're in a foreign country when everyone speaks a different language. And when they even speak English, it's with a heavy accent. So everyone is different. And in a blessed way, we brought that back with us when we came to the U.S. in 2012. We really see that we're foreigners and pilgrims and able to do whatever the Lord bids and wherever he would want us to go. All these people, they died without receiving all that God had promised them. But you know what? They never lost their vision of heaven. The better place. The heavenly homeland. They always had that in view. All of these members of the hallmark of faith in Hebrews 11. So I think the Lord wants us to take courage from these heroes. They lived and they died without seeing the fruit of all of their faith. Praise the Lord, they were able to see how God answered their heart cry and heart's desire in a number of areas. But the big issue, they did not receive all of that. And yet they continued to believe. Hmm. In verse 15 talks about calling to mind the country from which they had come. Now the word country actually is just added by the translators. It's not there in the original. But it really has the intent of saying that they, if they had constantly thought about where they had come from, it would have been a great temptation to return there. This is why our first several years of resettling in, the, in America is that so many friends would say, Do you miss Israel? Well, yes. Do you miss South Africa? Yes. But the more we got reminded of it, the more we missed it. In fact, after two years of being here, I had one foot in Waco, Texas, and the other was on a banana peel going anywhere, anytime, anyplace. Yes, Israel and South Africa have been heartbeats within us. But our heavenly homeland is our ultimate goal. Verse 15 says, if they had called to mind that from which they had come out of, they were to have had an opportunity to return. And this is what I saw this week. The reason some people constantly struggle with returning to something of the old life is because they keep calling it to mind. They keep rehearsing it. I had to take every thought captive in those first few years of not going back to Israel where it was much easier and the people were much more on fire and desperate where there was not as much materialism. Do you know in Israel they have no storage facilities? That would make some of us gasp. <gasps> where would I put my stuff? You'd give it away. And you'd live simply. Perhaps you struggle with this as well. It's too easy to call to mind something of the past. 
we need to be like Paul, who wrote, I've not reached perfection, but I focus on this one thing. I forget what lies behind. And I look forward to what lies ahead. And I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. So let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. Philippians 3, 12 through 16. Verse 17. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son Isaac. And even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted, Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. Abraham was willing to give up his son when God commanded him to do so. Read that in that great text in Genesis 22. God had given the command in order to test Abraham's faith. But because he was willing to sacrifice Isaac, God gave Abraham a whole nation of descendants through the one Isaac that he had offered. Friends, if you're afraid to trust God with the possession, with the dream, or even the person that you treasure most, pay attention to Abraham's example. Because Abraham was willing to give up everything for God, he received more than he could have ever imagined. What we receive from God is not always in the immediate or in the form of material possessions. And in fact, material possessions, material things should be the least satisfying of rewards. And our best and greatest rewards are waiting for us in eternity. Verse 20. It was by faith that Isaac Isaac promised blessings for the future to his sons, Jacob and Esau. And it was by faith that Jacob, when he was old and dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and bowed in worship as he leaned upon his staff. Now in these two verses, we have faith statements concerning both Isaac and Jacob. And even though Abraham and Sarah had their own personal encounters with God, Isaac could not rely on the faith of his parents that they had. He needed his own personal encounter with God to move into God's plan for his life. Now I say this because your children and your grandchildren need their own personal encounter with God. They will not get to heaven on your faith. We can pray and pray and believe and believe, but it has to come from them. It has to come from them. The faith of our fathers can be a wonderful legacy. But only our faith can guide us into our personal journey with God. And sadly, Isaac appears 
not to have had an encounter with God that totally impacted his life. His father, Abraham, and his son, Jacob, they did. But Isaac appears not to have had. But Isaac did have a strong measure of faith to pray, to proclaim, and to promise blessings to the, in the future for his two sons. And Jacob, who received the blessing of the firstborn from Isaac, had a radical encounter with God in Bethel in Genesis 28. And in Peniel, where he wrestled with God in Genesis 32. And Jacob in Genesis 49, he ended up blessing each of his sons before he died. Now, let me give a suggestion. Some of you maybe have done this. Others perhaps haven't. I want to give you a strong suggestion this morning. Have a special impartation to your family. Have it be a celebration afternoon where all the family is gathered. And you, as the patriarch or the matriarch, that you have a time of giving a special blessing. The Lord will give you the scriptures to read, the prayers to pray, and the words to say over your children and grandchildren. I tell you, they will remember that day the rest of their lives. The day when Grandpa laid his hands on me and prayed a blessing and prayed a scripture over my life. They will never forget it. We miss the beauty in this scripture of impartation, of blessing. And if Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob can do that, how much more us in Christ? So I want to encourage you to do that and to do it soon. Because tomorrow is not guaranteed. You might even, I had one friend that went so far as to writing out invitations that they sent in the mail. Family blessing impartation. Had that date, cancel anything else you have planned. Come and expect to receive from God. And you know, the whole family did. Give the blessing that we have inherited from our forefathers to impart to our sons, daughters, grandchildren. It was by faith, verse 22, that Joseph, when he was about to die, said confidently that the people of Israel would leave Egypt. He even commanded them to take his bones with them when they left. Now, lastly today, we read about Joseph's life and about his faith. And there are so many events in Joseph's life that could be, have been mentioned, but the one that's recorded here is a very powerful statement of faith. Personally, I believe that Joseph is the greatest type and shadow of Jesus in the entire Old Covenant. And maybe sometime I'll share about that. But Jacob and his 12 sons and families moved to Egypt because of the severe famine throughout the Middle East in those days. And the Jewish people had remained in Egypt for centuries after Joseph died. In Exodus 12.40, 
tells us that the sojourn of the children of Israel who lived in Egypt was 430 years. That's a long time to be in Egypt. And in that time period, the Jewish people had fully adapted to a slavery mentality. And they went from a place of honor in the days of Joseph's leadership, a place of respect and blessing in Joseph's time, to a place over the years, to a place of scorn, ridicule, and slavery under Egyptian dominion. And as Joseph neared death, he confidently declared that all the people of Israel would leave Egypt. Wow, that must have been astonishing to those that heard him. But he didn't stop there. He went on to command them to take his bones with them for burial when they left Egypt for the promised land. Joseph did not want his remains to stay in pagan Egypt. So in summary today, Abraham, the Hebrew, earned the right to be the father of faith because he fully believed God and he fully obeyed God. He obeyed his word and his faith was recognized by God and reckoned to him as righteousness. So through the power of God's Holy Spirit, I believe God the Father wants to strengthen and increase our faith in God and our faithfulness to God in every circumstance. That's why these wonderful figures in Hebrews 11 are so varied. They had such different situations that they were confronted as to believing God. But faith simply means total trusting God and doing what he wants regardless of the circumstances or the consequences. So brothers and sisters, let's all cross over today. Let's cross over the threshold of faith together that our faith like Abraham's, could be reckoned unto us as beautiful righteousness. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for these heroes of faith. And none of them lived perfect lives. They had shortcomings and failures and flaws. But what models they serve to us Thank you that they became sources of blessing by faith. Some to their entire families, but Lord, it was very, it stood out especially that there was an impartation of blessing that came within the family. Thank you that there was even the laying on of hands of the parents to the children and to the grandchildren and even great-grandchildren, if they'd be present. Lord, thank you for the blessing that we can be to the generations following us. And Lord, you may well challenge us like you did our father, Abraham. You might ask us to give up something dear and precious to us.
Something in which we feel secure and comfortable. Or maybe even familiar surroundings. Lord, whatever your will has for us, we say yes and amen. We already say yes before you speak it to us. And we might follow in the footsteps of our father Abraham and cross over to a place that we have never, ever been before. But we're in good company when we come to that challenge. Thank you, Lord. Such miracles occurred when people believed. And thank you, we still believe today and are trusting you for works of your hand and works of your heart that can come to pass and that our faith, our prayers, our proclamation, and our faithfulness will be portions to help these things come to pass into genuine reality. Thank you now, Lord, for the rest of this day, for the rest of this week. May we, in our sojourn of life here in Waco, Texas, really match and model these heroes of faith that we've been looking at in Hebrews 11. And we ask this to the glory of God, expressed in Jesus, who lives within us and is reigning supreme. Have your way this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have a wonderful week. Next week, it's the latter part of... Oh, next week is Tonican. That's right. Tonican. Bless the Lord. Have a great Sunday.